Hello and welcome to the podcast. I hope you're well, guys. Thank you for clicking on the button for Sport and Life. My name's Ed Draper, a sports broadcaster predominantly in the UK, still going at Sky Sports News, despite many of the sports events and many of the events around the world, of course, being cancelled or postponed in uh, the wake or the midst of the coronavirus outbreak. I hope you're well and safe from that and did sort of second guess whether I should record a podcast today. I'm hoping to get a couple of doctors on in the week as well. Uh, one from an optimal health clinic here in Cheltenham in the west of England and also my father who works as a GP in the Cotswolds as well and, and 40 years medical experience just to get a perspective of what it's like for the National Health Service at the moment as well and their take on, on, on matters and, and advice. But the podcast today which is again in association with Bang & Olufsen of Cheltenham, Serene AV which is kind of two sister companies housed in the same place in the Bang & Olufsen store in Cheltenham in the court in Montpellier with Jason Briggs and his team can uh, kit you out with any entertainment facilities you may need, which at the moment, if people are at home, maybe a time to get a good stereo player, I suppose, or something like that. But clearly bigger matters at hand. And Sarah Townsend, coming on today, has written a book. She's a copy editor, freelance copy editor for a couple of decades, and has written a book for freelancers, a guide to it, both in terms of setting up your business, how you manage things, how you structure it, your day-to-day, also accountancy, things like that, which is I think pertinent as well obviously it's not the most important thing for people right now health is paramount but actually in terms of people I know in the media industry and I was freelance for well over a decade after coming back from the states where I did my broadcast journalism degree I think it's pertinent because freelancers will be scratching around for a little bit of work at the moment particularly in the media industry where buildings are on lockdown to only staff members sports events commentators reporters journalists that work around that people, stewards, everyone that would work there and of course the players themselves as well facing uncertain times and the fans. So I think it's pertinent to have her on today and talk about the life of a freelancer and some of the challenges and particularly at the moment what would be her advice and people who can work remotely I believe like her perhaps have an advantage at the moment but it's a complex picture. Again I hope you're well and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Do rate it on iTunes if so. Sarah Townsend coming up. Thank you. Okay, here we go. Sarah Townsend, appreciate you coming over. We've had our elbow bumps and everything like we that. We have indeed. How are, you, how are you finding things? It's quite a surreal time, isn't it? It is quite weird, isn't it? I think the, uh, the uncertainty, just not knowing what's going to happen, yeah. makes me a little bit anxious, if I'm honest. Yeah, and it's difficult because I work in the mass media and the relationship between the media and the public at this moment is key, isn't it? And I think we're kind of conscious. We're still going at Sky Sports News, even though there's not a lot of sports events, but you are trying to... I guess everyone's trying to keep everything in perspective and find out what the perspective is. And people are work, a lot of people are doing what you do naturally, working from home. Yeah, and yeah, I feel like we should be kind of shining a light on how easy it can be, but I think there's just so much uncertainty in terms of what's happening with people's clients and contacts yeah. and losing contracts because their clients are getting nervous. Yeah, it is a bit of a, a weird time. And it's strange, obviously a strange time for you to bring out a book as well, Survival Skills it for Freelancers, to try and get the, the it, public. But it's, it, it's I'm hoping per- that by the time the book comes out, it'll all be over. But yeah. yeah. When does the book come out? Uh, start of June. Start of June, all okay. Well. <laughs> well, hopefully well. Yeah, hopefully that will be calmed down. And actually, it's a per- it will be pertinent as well, because I think people who are freelancers may want to re- re-educate themselves on aspects of it. That's because true. Because it's a, it's, a, it's a kind of concerning moment, particularly for freelancers, isn't it? I know at my work... They've almost locked it down to staff only, and it's such, people are now wondering how many months will I have to go without getting regular income. I suppose for you, a copywriter and copy editor by trade, that's something you have been able to work from from home. But for people who physically yeah. have to be somewhere, it's it's challenging times. It is definitely. I think we all need to be fairly adaptable to 
different ways of working mm. and whether that just means doing what we always do from home or perhaps even adapting what we do and the way we do it yeah um so that we can work remotely it's not it's not it doesn't come naturally to no. everybody and financial concerns for everyone i think even if you're employed or, or unemployed but with freelancers i mean that's part of the book isn't it as well as the, yeah. the financial yeah. prudence of it how much of a challenge was that for you when you when you started out as a freelancer and oh, getting your yeah. accounts right and just working out how much money you have to save for tax and the whole process. Yeah, well, it's a, it, it is a process. Um, I've got the added advantage that um, things were pretty tight when I was growing up. Mm. And um, naturally, that's kind of made me a saver. So when I first went freelance, I was still married. Um, I've now been a single mum for 12 years. Yeah. And um, I don't think I'd have been able to do that if I hadn't been a saver at heart. Mm. So I've always saved sort of a third of my income for tax and just to have a sort of emergency pot of money. And I think now a lot of people are losing contracts and not knowing where the next job's yeah. coming from. It makes it all the more important to have savings behind you. Stop not everybody does. Were you, did you have a proper job, an employed PAYE job before? I did, yeah, yeah. I, I went freelance. I was actually working down in Bristol for a publishing company, a magazine publisher. Mm. And I'd been there for three years and before that I actually worked at Allied, uh, Eagle Star in Chatham. Oh, okay, you're not far from in the, uh, Yeah, in the, the, the big tower. Yeah. tower. <laughs> so it dominates over the Regency <laughs> yeah, uh, splendour of Cheltenham. Everybody yeah. of Cheltenham knows, uh, knows that building. Um, but yeah, I was working down in Bristol and I got pregnant and didn't want to have a baby up in Gloucester uh, and uh, okay. be working down in Bristol far away from my child mm. who was in nursery. Um, so that was kind of the kick that I needed to start working for myself. And so you, you consciously thought, I want something I can do remotely and not have to be in an office. Yes, I did. Because I wanted it to fit around um, working part-time initially. Mm. So um, I think it was two days a week, three days a week, certainly. When my daughter was very small, she just went to nursery part-time. Yeah. And I wanted to be able to fully appreciate the time that I had with her. And, um, and also to do a job that I could... I, a job that I was comfortable with, mm. that I could do kind of on my own terms that would fit around um, having a family. So your regular job wasn't copywriting before? Or copy it, was, yeah, it was, yeah. No, it was. I was an editor and an account manager for four different magazines. Oh, okay. Um, two financial services companies, one which was a credit card, um, Boxall Motors combination. Yeah. And the other one was Burma Castrol, you okay. know, the oil company. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's yeah. quite an eclectic mix. Quite an eclectic mix, yeah, yeah exactly. But that gives you, I suppose, a sense of, of different genres and styles of writing, doesn't it? Have that background in different it, industries. It does, yeah. And I think one of the things that I was very aware of, because I'd come from a marketing financial services background while I was working at Eagle Star, I knew when I went freelance that I didn't want to specialise I didn't mm. want to set myself up with a financial services niche yeah um and I'm glad I've I'm glad I made that decision um did you did you sort of get a lot of the financial savviness from from studying those texts from from editing those um no magazines? I would say I think it was just embedded in me from a really young age because yeah. We didn't have much. We didn't have holidays when I was growing up. And I don't think I ate out in a restaurant until I was about 17. Yeah. Um, it's funny how things change, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And now eating out, going to gigs, going on holiday, it's a big thing for me. Mm. And fortunately, I've got to the point in my career where I am financially independent enough to be able to do the things mm. I love doing. And 
that's why I decided to um, to write a book about it to help other freelancers perhaps get to the point that I've got to but without making all the mistakes <laughs> that I've made along the way so perhaps to uh, to shortcut their their process what were some of the key mistakes you think the lessons that you learned that you put into the book oh god um, it's sort of I think for the tone from the, the plan you sent me was almost the importance of setting up before you crack on, in a sense, because a lot of us stumble into it, seriously. don't they? Yeah, Thinking about well, getting an accountant and and also the equipment you need and things like that, and paying for it up front and sort investing of get, in yeah. your business. Yeah, treating your business as a lot of people kind of go, oh well, I'm just freelance. I'm just a freelancer, and it's almost a little. Um, it, it's almost as if they don't treat it with the same seriousness as mm. they would a different sort of job. Yeah. Um, and they're maybe just, oh, wow, it's just something I do on the side. Well, there are people who are kind of hobbyist freelancers, yeah. and that's great. If you're in that position and you can afford to, to do that, that's great because perhaps that works for you. But most freelancers really benefit from taking things seriously and treating yeah. freelance life as a business. So um, invest in a proper website, get yourself a proper email address because mm. there are too many people who <laughs> yeah. message me. Yeah, hot cheeks at hotmail.com or something. Yeah. mad, yeah, yeah gmail.com, yeah, fluffyjojo at gmail.com. <laughs> you know, and then they wonder why people don't take them seriously. So I think you definitely have to take the financial side seriously. You definitely need a reserves of savings behind you because mm. cash flow can be a nightmare. So you need to save up before you leave a PAYE uh, job. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think the, um, the, the, basic, um, the basic advice is to have at least three months income, living mm. expenses behind you before you go freelance. Yeah. Um, and people say, oh yeah, well, you know, how, how am I supposed to do that? But if you want to make a successful freelance life, you will find a way. Mm. Um, you will perhaps make sacrifices to get there, but it's really, really important to have that financial security Def- yeah. behind you before you go out alone. And defining what you are as well is key, isn't it, in terms of the terminology of HMRC and things. Are you a sole trader? Are you a limited company? There's there's different ways of approaching it, isn't it? Because yeah. I know that some clients I had wanted us to, me to be a limited company when I was a freelance broadcaster. Someone were happy with me being a sole trader, and there was a big distinction between the two, even though you were doing the same thing conceptually you become a company when you become a limited a limited company yeah well i am now a limited company but for the first 15 16 years i was a sole trader and it was only when i started using an accountant which took me 15 years to do <laughs> really um, did your own accounts for that long i did my own accounts yeah Fantastic. that whole time bookkeeping yeah. but the worst thing was i hated it i'm yeah. not a numbers person i'm such a words person I get in a real muddle with figures and I just used to dread it for months and months thinking, oh, it tax becomes, return season is It coming. becomes a pragmatic investment as well because you think Absolutely. the time that you were going to spend, you could be working on creating income, couldn't you, and doing the things that you enjoy? Yeah, the things that, yeah. So it's, it's a no-brainer, I think, anything that you can farm out to someone else who is an expert at something that you're not an expert at and you don't enjoy it and you don't have the time to do it. Yeah. It's just... It's obvious that that's the way you should do it, but so many freelancers take their time to get to that point where they they get it. Mm. Well, you know, I I'm paying somebody. Say you have a freelancer whose day rate is four hundred pound, 
and they're using an accountant whose day rate is 250 yeah. then you know you're you're you it, it makes making a profit sense. for that day's work yeah absolutely and you're doing the work that you enjoy rather than well, something I also get a sense dread. from my accountants they do it very quickly as well whereas the panic yeah. of trying to log on to HMRC you remember your logins and process everything it takes so long for you to, to do it each time yeah it? it does they're yeah. doing it a daily basis it's their, it's their craft it's a spe- I suppose that is a respecting your specialism isn't it when you're becoming a freelance working out what you're specialist services is that is that key to it yeah and i think um really giving some thought to defining what you do in terms of the people that you the people and the sectors and the the businesses that you can help Mm. and the problems that you can solve for them because once you understand what problems you're solving and what they can get rid of to you that they no longer have to worry about because they know it's in safe hands. Mm. That's really the key. What is, is is marketing important or is it now slow? Yeah. Is it still a slow burn with word of mouth? What 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 is the key now? Because some people say you can it's build a business balance. overnight on Instagram, but actually, oh, yeah. a lot of people still say to me like landscape gardeners. Well, actually, it's still just people telling you know Joe blogs that I did a good job and mm. passes yeah. on. It's a it, it's a balance. I would say you have to have those recommendations. You have to build up your business to a stage where you have enough people behind you who you've worked for who are happy to Mm. say oh god well I use Sarah to write my website you know (laughs) she was great she was so easy to work with you know why don't you contact her having that referral and those recommendations yeah that sort of system in place is super important but you it's chicken and egg isn't it you can't you have to have some sort of online presence you have to look like you know what you're doing, um, which presumably you do, <laughs> otherwise you wouldn't yeah. be going freelance in the first place. But it's really important to um, have a professional image, yeah. but not something that isn't you, you know? It's I know people. Simple. Yeah, well, I, I think it's important if you are more of perhaps a casual, friendly kind of person, then be a casual, friendly kind of person who does a good job. Yeah. In your online So presence. just being honest with your quote-unquote branding, which is a very Yeah, sort of don't try to popular be term. Mr. Slick yeah. if that's not you. Because mm. as soon as people meet you, they'll kind of go, wait, there's a bit of a um, an imbalance between yeah. how you come across online and how you really are. The tension there, yeah. Yeah. And, it, and, and people soon become uncomfortable with that and... Uh, and back away. That's inter- yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? The whole the whole process of that. And I suppose you mentioned day rates and things like that. Uh, difficulty, and I spoke to Vince Freeman, actually, who's a musician locally oh, okay. on the podcast. And he's been on The Voice and done very well. But he was saying he still has to, after 15, 20 years in the music industry, if a big Hollywood music producer contacts him and says, would you like to do some songwriting with XYZ? Often it's free. You just do it because it's a, an investment. I mean, how do you really? approach that? Because when you're first starting out as a freelance... Yeah. I, did, I did a lot of free work, free work experiences. That balance, isn't it? And when, at what point, if you've done work for someone, do you then say, this is my day rate now? It's awkward. How, do you say, yeah. did you, I suppose you were established as a, as, a, as a magazine, a copy editor before, copywriter, that perhaps you could just say, this is my day rate and, and go from the start. I did. How, how did you develop those? Because it's all, sometimes awkward later on to have that conversation, isn't it? It, it is. Uh, it's a really big bone of contention because there is a bit of a, an implication that people will work for exposure, yeah. but exposure doesn't pay the mortgage. No, no. And people, I, I don't think anybody would ask somebody who was employed, oh, will you just do this, you know, just come <laughs> and fix my dishwasher, but, you know, I'll tell all my mates that you're really yeah. good. Well, you'd never do, you wouldn't ever you, do it for a, a tradesman, like you say, like a tradesperson, you just electrician or, or plumber. No, you just wouldn't. So 
it's a really bad uh it's a really bad habit that i think people have got into and i think we're best off always saying no to yeah. working free if there was a piece of work that you said look okay well i'll do um this you know you quote for the job and you say as an introductory piece of work mm. i'm happy to do this first bit once you've paid the deposit yeah. for the rest of it but you if know, you, um, have yeah. to, you have to if you like it the, the, if you like it the rate will be x so you sort of set your stall out early in writing yeah i mean i wouldn't even i wouldn't even do that but then that's easy for me to say because i've been doing this for 20 years yeah when you are first going out on your own you do perhaps have some work to do um in terms of building your credibility mm. because how are people going to talk about how good you are yeah. at what you do yeah. Yeah. if you can't get the work to begin with yeah. you can't get the work because you don't have the reputation yeah it all takes time but generally speaking i i have a whole chapter in the book about knowing your worth and valuing what you do mm. and it kind of all comes it's all tied into boundaries yeah um and yeah just it, it's very easy to say yeah okay well i'll do that for free but how are you going to pay the bills and do you think it's important not to try and convince people as well because i know sort of my wife's had this experience in graphic design as well when you go to a client potentially and they say oh your day rate's x well that means it adds up to this over a full year and why are you worth this it's like well it's not a salary it's this is my day rate equated to you know do you think it's do trying to persuade if people quibble with you is it better to say look don't worry about it if you have to convince someone it's not worth yeah I do I do agree with that I've never had anybody sort of question my day rate as it were and I'm reassuringly expensive let's just say (laughs) after 20 years of doing this yeah so Um, could you just just, you're just kind of because sometimes in particular in the UK we're awkward about things like money aren't we so just up front and say this is this is is what it is yeah you, you, you have to be and I know that I won't always get a job. If somebody is looking to buy on price yeah. and they don't already have a relationship with me, they don't already know no. what my superpowers are, as I quite often yeah. describe them. They don't know the value that I can add and just how easy I can make their lives. Then, yeah, I, I, I don't blame them yeah. for buying on well, price. Well, something like copy editing and copywriting is one of those things where it is a very nuanced and, and, and sk- the use of words is... It's very skillful, but then some people also will think, "Well, I can read and write. Why can't you know?" Oh, sometimes yeah. people devalue things, don't they? Yeah, do you, do you experience that sometimes? Writing. Yeah. yeah, you do get you do get a bit of well, you know, well, oh well, I people have said to me before, I'm I'm very good writing. <laughs> yeah. you know, I could do this myself if I wasn't too busy. That for me is always a red flag, and it's not just in the writing field. Yeah, I think anywhere where somebody starts off a working relationship with, oh well, I could do this, but I'm too busy. It's almost like. They're just setting themselves so, up to be one of those clients who's going to quibble. So how important is it sometimes to, to sort of disentangle yourself from clients early on or to say no? Do you think you have to? Yeah, you have to learn to say no. It, and, and people say, yeah, but, you know, what if that's my only opportunity? What if that's the only job that comes along? And it never is. You do have to do a bit, a certain amount of trusting the universe because something better always does come along. Mm. And I definitely think, certainly it's been my experience and the experience of all the freelancers that I've talked to in the process of writing the book, that if you start off a relationship with just that niggling feeling Mm. that the client just doesn't get or doesn't value what you do, you're going to end that relationship feeling a whole lot worse. 
So I think learn to recognise the red flags. That's a really important thing to do. And some of that does only come with experience. Yeah, I think it, yeah, it does. Interest. It's interesting in broadcasting because it was, there's only sort of, particularly when I started out, there was sort of online media, it wasn't as developed, local radio stations, and then you had gatekeepers at TV. So it was slightly more challenging mm. because you had these particular individuals and sometimes you had sort of personality clashes. You had to try and I convince bet. certain certain people and, and some people like you, some people don't like you. It's a sort of human a human business. But I think you're right there because I think actually your fear early on is, you know, what my reputation will be tarnished and they'll they'll say they don't like me. But actually if those people are problematic and you trust yourself to be mm. a, a solid, decent person then actually people who know them will take anything they say with a pinch of salt. That's a very good point. Yeah, I think it's I think it's super important to learn to trust your instinct and recognise those clients that are going to be difficult to begin with. And like you say Sometimes it is just a question of personalities. Yeah. You may not be a good fit for that person or for their business. And that's okay. Mm. I think we all feel like we should be able to work with everybody. But that's not life, is it? No. Ultimately, no. there are always going to be people that you get on better with others. Um, I think trying to convince people of your worth is almost a pointless thing, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. I think you, by doing that, by you're kind of digging yourself a hole and you're almost showing that you don't value yourself that much because if you've got that much time to yeah. dedicate to convincing someone yeah. else that they need you, then... Yeah, I've done... Why, yeah, why, yeah, people say, why, why, would you why, why should you get this opportunity? Or why? You think, well, actually, you know, if you, why am I here if that's the case? You yeah. know, if, you don't, if, you, if I have to convince you, you know, my CV's there, you can, you can read that and see my body Yeah, there are enough people you can talk to yeah. about, you know... Yeah, I mean, like you say, you mentioned the Landscape Gardener example, and I'm sure in that kind of sphere you need to have perhaps a portfolio of possibly yeah, yeah you know like you take along with an ipad pro and yeah. show photos of the work that you've done <laughs> that's not so easy in certain fields you do wonder about trades people don't you whether because obviously i'm completely incompetent when it comes to domestic duty so when someone comes <laughs> around i'm never going to query a plumber and say no you should do this or that but you wonder if there are some people who sort of want to be handy handy people will say to them no I think you should you know kind of use this spanner or this screw or whatever and just it's <laughs> standing bit, over yeah, their shoulder watching it's them a work fairly, it's a fairly pedantic thing that actually yeah. and that whole thing of like well I could add your is well it's not about that because sometimes people who are employing you don't understand the nuances and uncertainties yeah. of freelance work do they because they look at the day rate and think well hang on a minute this would be a PAYE salary of xyz yeah. but, it's, but it's people who are in, in that mindset clearly aren't worth trying to convince because they don't understand the, the distinction we don't get sick pay or holiday pay or parental leave or bonuses yeah. any of those things and we have that uncertainty that you don't know where the next job's coming from and yeah you, th- this is why it do- it's not a straightforward calculation mm. um and anybody that doesn't get that probably shouldn't be using a self-employed person no um how do you, how, have you, how do you live with uncertainty has it become easier for you as you've gone through it's become easier because there is less of it but certainly mm. the first certainly the first few years i mean on the one hand i had my ex-husband's salary for a bit more security but i think i was more neurotic about money when i was still married than i am now mm. um it's about responsibility yeah I I think I just used to I used to literally um I sort of share this anecdote in the book actually and it's quite it's quite I feel quite ashamed almost to admit it but I figure that by kind of talking about the things that haven't gone so well then there is a real opportunity for other people to benefit Mm. um by not making the same mistakes so I used to really struggle with the idea of taking time off yeah I didn't I wasn't yes I had a family but I wasn't good at boundaries 
I didn't really always know where to stop. And I was always thinking about work to a certain degree. <laughs> yeah. I always still am. Well, that's, it's that, just that, there. And how do you, well, that's another good point. How do you handle that distinction between work and the, and the rest of your life? Particularly on occasions, I know you work at the David Lloyd Gym where we yeah. go. And, and Shane Duff, the former Cheltenham Town and Bradford footballer, introduced us. And he's now a property mogul, effectively self-employed as well himself. But um, how do you handle that distinction between switching off and, and being... You know, home Sarah and work Sarah. It is very difficult. Um, I do. I'm quite. Um, I'm quite good with my email autoresponder. So I always say in my response, I only check my emails a couple of times a day. Mm. Um, it's really important with what I do because I can't afford to be distracted when yeah. I'm in flow writing copy for my clients, and I think my clients appreciate that. So I try really hard not to read my emails when I'm when it's evening but I get sucked into things on Twitter you know feeds yes. and, uh, and this sort of so thing you have, so do you have rules of like when you not... check social media as well like you check it <laughs> yeah. 9, 12 and 5 or something no like I should do I mean that's that's what you do if you you know if you're sensible I, I do use um, a couple of different apps that can block mm. your social media so I actually if I'm struggling with distractions which I do even now yeah it's not like 20 years down the line or suddenly I've got it all sorted you know like everybody follow my lead because I still struggle with kind of boundaries when I'm not keeping check mm. of myself and I'm still kind of yeah you wonder about productivity yeah. because for you you've got you you have to hold yourself accountable but yeah. for people who aren't doing work in the office it does make you scary as a potential employer of a lot of people how much mm. distractions they're faced with mm. isn't it? how much work they're actually it able to do it is learning to to deal with those distractions and certainly I think knowing your pattern I think that's one of the good things about working for yourself not everybody is a morning person and wants to do what I do get up start working about seven thirty, mm. then take a break in the middle of the morning to do some exercise to kind of get my brain back into yeah. gear and clear mental blocks and then go back some people might find that they prefer to start work kind of late morning yeah pick the kids up from school hang out with the kids and then go back to it once they're kids are in bed yeah. and it's just really whatever but works for you it's routine being key is it for you to devise that routine um yeah i think Stru- it is structure. for everybody yeah, yeah for everybody i think it takes time to to learn what works for you and what doesn't and i think ultimately as a freelancer or a self-employed person as long as you get the work done it doesn't matter to your clients when you do it you mm. don't have to do it but that's almost some, some people might find that scary might they because no one's telling yeah. them to be at work at their desk at yeah. nine in the morning so they could just let it slide. Do you have to be a sort discipline? Of, do you have to be a disciplined person? You, you absolutely do. Yeah, I I know people who have tried to be freelance and have failed because they just don't have the discipline. Yeah, and there are certainly qualities um, that make you either more suitable for working solo or mm. not. And discipline is one of the biggest. Bar none. And do you need? To, and if you do work at home, do you have to have a separate area? And how do you separate yourself from not even the sort of modern technology distractions of email, etc., but also just things Putting like the doing the washing and yeah, loading the dishwasher. Because you sit there. Sometimes I sit at home and I'm trying to do some work, and I'm like, oh, I better wash that up, or I'll go and you know get a delivery or something. It's it's, it's straight. We get distracted, yeah. go for you know go get a cup of tea. It's it's hard, isn't it? Yeah, so, but I mean, even if you do have, if you're lucky enough to have a separate office, which I am and I do, even then you still have to leave your office to go and boil the kettle yeah. and whatever. But at the same time, it's super important to stay active. And particularly if you've got a job that involves sitting in front of a laptop all day, mm. every day, yeah. which I do. You said movement and exercise is, is important, uh, you think, for your, for your clarity of mind. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I'm somebody who gets um, overwhelmed with things pretty easily if I don't keep 
in, keep that in check. So yeah. I, I've kind of developed my own coping strategies over the years and, and exercise um, and keeping moving and fresh air and going outside. Those are all really important things that yeah. I have to build into my day to keep me productive and focused. And, you know, when you go outside and you go for a walk, so you mentioned that I work up at David Lloyd. Mm. Um, I do that five days a week, even though I have an office in my home. And part of the reason for doing that is it gets me out of the house. Mm. It gets me around other people. There's yeah. a buzz and an atmosphere that, could be something that, that I can't get at Facing home. even employees now having to work at home with this coronavirus stuff. Essentially, yeah. that is a, people are worried about the isolating factors of, of that and... And some people need to be around other people. To I'm energy. not sure what's going to happen to the mm. people like me who need to be around other people because at some point, I guess the gyms are going to close or say, you know, there they is have, no they have in other countries, yeah. Yeah, so I, I really don't know how that's how that's going to pan out, as none of us do. But certainly, knowing that I need to get out the house and having the headspace to just stick my headphones in, listen to music, walk up mm. to the gym, get that fresh air, even if it's raining, fresh air, exercise. Just get away, stand up from the laptop. And do, you have, do you have a plan for what you might do if the, if the gym closes in the short term? You've got the office at home. I don't have a plan. Would you go for a jog or something? I, I, I would have to build in walks around the block. Like I can do a decent walk around the block. It's not the most scenic route yeah. through a, a big housing estate, which is now even bigger. But um, <laughs> yeah, certainly I'm going to have to go out and, and get my fresh air and walk around the block and just a bit of the uh, bit of sunshine if yeah. we're lucky like I think today it, what's interesting is this study yes yeah, beautiful day today actually first mm. day of spring hopefully that will help with the, the virus dissipating as it gets warmer oh, as well according so. to what the doctors have, have said oh is that right I think so yeah I think it's a, a virus but don't I'm not a medical expert but I think the doctors have, have said that it, they don't believe the initial research that it survives at a higher temperature so 27 oh, degrees okay. plus hopefully in the summer it will be easy and people will be outdoors more and, and less indoors but I think with um with that, how realistic do you have to be about your actual productivity and your potential? Because I think what people do, employees, and my friend uh, worked for a company who did flexi time, and he said okay. that actually what you find is people just sat at their desk racking up flexi time without actually doing anything because oh, they then got yeah. days off off the back of it. But if you, particularly with writing and being creative and focused, are you realistic about how many good hours you have in you in a, in a day? Because it, so, so people say four, isn't it? There's four oh. good hours of... of proper concentration yeah they do i think the worst thing is um is kind of feeling the pressure that how do you prove that you're working hard enough because yeah. it's like it's like you say when you're in an office you you know you're at work because you're physically at work yeah. uh, but you're not spending seven hours eight hours no. a day actually physically doing yeah. work you're chatting to your friends in the kitchen as you make a you know you make a i think some writers say they'll do a morning and then they'll have the afternoon off they almost try and be realistic about how much they can yeah. they can produce I, I find it varies day to day i find i'll have a day where i'll be so on it um that i don't want to stop and that's part of my problem <laughs> i i set myself a time that i'll say you know okay well so today i started at half seven i'll finish at five and perhaps get a break mid-morning do a bit of exercise but quite often, I'm so into what I'm doing, I don't want to stop because yeah. I love it. And yeah. that's why I do what I'm... Well, you're in flow at that yeah, point. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So when I'm in flow, I'm very, very difficult to distract. I get yeah. very hyper-focused. Um, but sometimes getting into that flow state can be difficult. And I think it depends on your mental state, how you're feeling, how kind of well you slept the night before. Sure. Yeah, how, yeah, how important kind of is sleep, thing. do you think? Sleep is absolutely fundamental. Do you expect less of yourself after a bad, be realistic about um, after a bad night's sleep? I have to be realistic. I am somebody who does not perform well when mm. I haven't had enough sleep. 
It's um, very detailed because I've mentioned copy editing at part of my journalism degree in the States. It was okay. one of my worst modules. I was hung over for one of it because my friend was visiting from England one of our exams. But just that ability to oh, focus on the, on the finer detail. And they do copywriting as well, which is slightly different. But the copy editing part, you enjoy that kind of intricate, intricate detail. Yeah, yeah. I, I just love that process of um, somebody coming to me and saying, oh, I'm trying to do this and I've written this and this is my draft and it's yeah. 12 pages long and it needs to only be four pages. Like, what do I do? <laughs> and I just say, what you do is you give it to me. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I finesse it I suppose That's what about the typographical errors and stuff, stuff like that you get at the apostrophes yeah, and things yeah and, yeah, yeah I'm a very much a nitty gritty detail person so I'm perfectly suited my personality type is perfectly suited to the job so that I do you quite like creating order and structure in it I, I do suppose. yeah 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 I'm happier in an ordered world which is why <laughs> I feel very out of control and very anxious at the moment with all the yeah. virus stuff that's going on but do you think freelancers though this uncertainty that's, that has affected the whole world do you think is there a condition that you go through to, to be more open to uncertainty because of the process of two decades of that? I think whether we realise we're doing it or not, we are to mm. a certain extent. So I think freelancers are probably in a much better position than a lot of people right now. Mm. Um, don't think that means that we're not just as prone to the same um, wobbles and, and anxiety yeah. and fear. Did and... You, do you coach yourself in, in thoughts and do you have processes in the evening to relax and things so that you don't lie in bed? in the past worrying about bills and clients and things yeah I don't worry about bills and clients and things but I still I have been known to wake in the night with thoughts swimming around my head particularly in the process of writing the book and juggling that with client work yeah a lot of the things that I need to write down I, I'll, ha- I'll keep a notebook by the side of oh. my bed, which is oh, tried and tested device, isn't it? I yeah. think everybody says that. So it just relaxes you once you, once you get it out of your head. Get it out of my head. Um, but I still have evenings where um, I, I wake in the night and I'm kind of fretting about things. But yeah. Uh, no, do you know what? I was going to say less so now than I used to be, but I, I don't think it's fair of me to say how, that. <laughs> how, how, but how liberating, and do you feel that the people who tend to go freelance, how liberating is it to have to be your own boss and not to have a structure and a sort of office politics and things like that is do you think that people gravitate to it freelancers because of, of that almost rebellious trait to a certain extent i think a lot of good freelancers are rebels in their own way and don't do well with being told what to do day yeah. in day out by one boss um and then i think a lot of people are very surprised that they've sort of got off one treadmill and got onto another where they're being told what to do by a lot of mini bosses instead of just one so that's why it's important to have your own boundaries and keep focused on the things that you want to achieve as a freelancer um and and keep that balance because it's very very easy to fall into the trap of working yourself just as hard probably harder yeah how do you how do you handle things like holiday do you allow yourself a certain amount of weeks per year as you would do yeah yeah i do now yeah certainly this um this where, where i was going um earlier on about not taking holidays I just used to stress so much because I would I would literally equate in my mind okay well I'm off for a week the holiday has cost x amount and then my day rate times five or times ten if I was away for a fortnight it would be one expensive holiday and I would then try to cram that much fun out of each day (laughs) and you just can't do that it's just not realistic can't be constantly adding things up and no it's just not realistic so I have really relaxed on that front but Again, easy for me to say that because now I'm in a much more comfortable mm. position financially. With, with a salaried structure, obviously at work, you have typically a percentage increase per year. You have performance reviews and things like that. Yeah. Promotions. How do you handle? How do freelancers handle that in terms of, I suppose, their rates? Do they sort of incremental, incrementally increase, or do you 
sort of have a big jump? How do you how do you do that sense it, getting that sense of progression? Yeah, um, I think it's really important to take stock, and I think a lot of a lot of us aren't that great at doing that. So it's really important to say, okay, perhaps at the end of a big project, you've just finished a big piece of work. Or um, maybe you might like a, a calendar kind of deadline, so perhaps at the start of a new year or at the end yeah. of a financial quarter or whatever works for you. Take stock of where you are, some of the things that you've achieved. So celebrate your wins. That's really, mm. really important. Otherwise, it's really easy yeah. to focus on the things that aren't going well, well. I'm just thinking in terms of that sort of salary raises and stuff. Do you, is it difficult if you've got a regular client for a number of years to say, oh, my rate is going up or is it just uh... <sighs> Okay, do you sort of then, if there's a question mark, say, well, actually, I'm now, I'm a different quantity because I've done 20 years of the same, rather than mm. when you first hired me, I was five years in, or you it, kind of... It can be. I, I, I don't know really how I've, um, I, I wouldn't say I've had a particular structure for putting my rates up over the years. Sometimes it's been a fairly big jump. Mm. Um, other times it's been incremental. Do you it's, speak to other people in the industry been, to get a sense of it? You have to. Yeah, you have to. Um, most industry bodies, I think, publish rate surveys, so you've got some sort of benchmark. And is that is, is that usually charging. those rates? Are they usually pegged to experience as well? Do they? Um, use, yeah, I would say so. There are still a lot of people who undercharge due to kind of a lack of confidence and mm. and self esteem or um, knowledge. Knowledge, yeah, knowledge definitely comes into it. And they don't know that they don't know what people are getting elsewhere. That's yeah, a difficult thing to yeah. sometimes. It's it is really important to keep on top of what your industry is charging. But at the same time, it's also important to keep aware of what your clients are prepared to yeah. pay because there's quite often a we, ceiling. It's you interesting. Can't overlook beyond a certain ceiling. Yeah, because in freelance broadcasting you get to a point I found where if I said this is the fee and they say, Yeah, it's and you think, Oh great, we'll do that then. But if they say no, and you think, okay, if you realise that suddenly things change, you think you're happy with it, it's just that's life and it's, yeah. that's part of the process. Whereas yeah. when you're younger and you're starting out, you start panicking a little bit about yeah, not turning any work down and almost sort of working yourself down. But actually, you think, yeah. but you wouldn't then enjoy doing that job. That's the point. If you've had to, that, if you've had is, to sort of almost, like say, undermine your, your, your worth or your quote. That is the point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because particularly if you give a quote to a client, so I quote a job fee for everything. So if I quoted a client a fee and they came back and went, oh, that, that's a bit expensive. And I went, ah, oh, okay, well, you know, we haven't worked together before, yeah. so I'll give you a 20% discount. Yeah. Then they're instantly going to, whether they consciously do it or not, they're going to value me less because yeah. they know that I value and me less. And they'll also mention someone else. And, and it's difficult. Mates rates are difficult, aren't they? Do you have a lot of I don't do, you have do friends? mates rates. No, do you have friends that sort of tap you up and stuff at work? Uh, I try not to work yeah. for friends. It's a real difficult one because... Yeah, I, 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 you just can't. No. <laughs> if you if you make a, an exception for one person. Yeah. Well, a good friend of ours actually lives in Cheltenham. He does. He just laid the, the living room floor. We're sat in this wooden, wooden floor, and he, it's lovely. He does give us decent rates, but we've all, always tried to. I think my wife was good friends with him at school. Try and say, look, just charge the because we don't want you to do it at a loss because that mm. creates a sense of bitterness, doesn't it? I think yeah. If you, yeah. If, I think people maybe you've been freelance you are almost empathized more with that situation don't yeah. want someone to give you a good deal at their expense mm. but also they won't be able to do as good a job typically because they'll have to squeeze it in and rush it yeah it's a respect thing i think to a certain degree um i'm not averse to skill swapping i think that's a really good idea so if you were a graphic designer um specializing in web design for example and yeah you needed a copywriter to write your website and the copywriter needed a designer to design oh that, you could trade then Tra- yeah, yeah trade, trade skills, yeah. but it's got to work on both uh, it's got to work for both parties. Yeah. Um, agree the terms up front and yeah. 
Do you, th- I, do you think freelancers typically are good at saving and things? And uh, no, 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 not at all. I think it's more personality type rather than uh, kind of the type of job you do. I think there are as many yeah, different personality types out there. I've just seen a distinction actually because I was being staffed for a few years and I actually was better as a freelancer saving A because you weren't taxed at source, so you just piled it up. So I had the default of just putting money into an account. Yeah. Whereas what I've found with people who are salaried, like myself now, is you suddenly start putting that monthly salary, monthly salary into a kind of like direct debit world where everything gets direct debited and so you think actually you're just accounting for all your money before you uh, before you can save any whereas before yeah. freelance work it was always like I'd want to pay for things up front I'd know because you because you wanted to live in the here and now almost didn't you have you found yourself more like that like you know you wouldn't do a higher purchase you'd try and save up and buy something yeah but I've always been like that because I was brought up to yeah. be like that so yeah. my, my parents were very anti you know never get a loan for something if you can't afford it you can't buy it you know mm. you just wait until you can yeah. so I, I that was my savings mentality and that's so embedded in me I've always been like that I do lease my car but that goes through the business that's an, that's an exception well lease is almost when you look at the depreciation of, of, of car prices now and value particularly if you're not doing a high mileage so I think there is a, a sense that some things I are really low mileage better, yeah. yeah really low um yeah, I've forgotten where we were going to with that. But, no, but just um, the, the aspect of personality types and whether there's a, whether when you're freelance, there's almost a, a clarity over the importance of saving, whereas mm. sometimes when people are salaried, you know, I've got friends who buy furniture on higher purchase mm. and then swap that furniture mm. before they've even paid off the, the one that they've really? got. So you just end up, yeah, it's, you can sort of it's wish a, away your salary, can't you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder the time, the time at the moment might be a bit sobering for people, mightn't it, as well? I think people might... Again, a bit like the financial crash twelve years ago, sort of a, re- a realignment of of how things you need to to sort of squirrel away money. I think it's um it's going to be a bit of a rude awakening for a lot of people, and I do worry for people who don't have money saved because, particularly people whose um livelihoods are, um re- revolve around events and training and. Mm that sort of thing. Yeah. So if you're, fair enough, coaching, that kind of thing, you could probably do one-to-one on Zoom or Skype. Yeah. But if you're in an environment where you're organising large events and large events get cancelled, then, yeah, I mean, how do those people survive? I think it's going to be a challenge for yeah. them. How has technology for you since you started? You said that when you were first pitching for clients, it was all letter-headed, you know, kind of written letters it's and mad. things like that. Is it how much has changed? Yeah. Yeah. There, were, there, there was no email when I started. So when I first... I kind of started raising awareness of the fact that I was going freelance when I was still on maternity leave before my daughter was born. And I knew I had to do a certain amount of cold inquiries, mm. just contacting businesses locally that I thought would be good to work yeah. for. Um, and yeah, it was all write a letter, print it out on letter-headed paper, pop it in the post. Yeah, wait wait no for email. a couple of weeks or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was totally different. There was no, um, there was no, well, there was barely any internet, let alone social media. So Did you find it easier to focus at times? I don't think it made a difference. I think no. the distractions are always there. If you want to be distracted, yeah. you will be distracted. There was it's always true. TV, yeah. um, videos, as <laughs> it was at the time. Um, but yeah, I think as long as you're, as long as you're um, prepared to focus on what you're doing and, and just to the exclusion of any distractions around you, that's really, really key. And there's little habits as well, because with a smartphone now, you're rarely alone, are you? Whereas you say you're on no. these walks around the block, is that to just sort of just calm down and get to a kind of neutral neutral space it's sometimes if you have a mental block or if I get writer's block with mm. something or I have a problem that I'm struggling to solve um, it's only when I switch off from thinking about it that 
the yeah. solution comes and I think that's true of most people so having that break from leaving my office at home walking up to the gym to work at my my gym office <laughs> my second office as I call it um sometimes just having that change of scene and detaching mentally is the thing that will solve the problems for me and I'll kind of go ah okay that's what I need to yeah. do do you think it's because you know to, to sort of um I guess work towards a conclusion of the conversation do you feel that there are questions that people should ask themselves before embarking on becoming freelance versus being an employee yeah yeah I I do um I I would never want to say if you are this type of person it won't work for you because obviously there are always exceptions and there should be um however there are certain traits and characteristics uh, and habits that you can adopt and mm. traits that you can work on that will stand you in it, better stead. Is it writing a list that balances the pros and cons and which That's appeal a, to you more? So, for example, the, the comparison between you've got the uncertainty of being freelance on one hand, but on the positive, you then don't have a boss who's dictating to you mm. and how, which is more important to you, which, which is a bigger pull. Yeah, uh, a, a pros and cons list is, is a good solution for anything in life, I find. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the early on in the book, there is a chapter, um, The Fundamentals of Freelancing, which is really designed to help people through that thought process, um, to really think about the things they like about being employed and um, to think about the challenges that they may face, particularly if they are somebody who's easily distracted yeah. um, or struggles with focus or struggles with self-motivation, um, just to really think seriously about those things. Whether you're someone that needs a boss to tell... Yeah. some people almost some need that then to tell them what yeah, to do. Yeah, plenty of people do. And there's, there's, there's no shame no. in that. that the, well, that's how companies run. That, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We could, the world wouldn't, wouldn't operate without those people. Um, but yeah, I would say... Go into it with your eyes wide open because it is too often sold as being the perfect solution for parents because you can work around your kids. Yeah. Um, it, it, flexible, earn what you like, working where you want, when you want. And it's not always that cut and dried. And it's a question of how long you give it, isn't it? And, yeah, like yeah. Say, and, often and, is. Yeah, and that, how long you give it is probably dependent on whether you say you have commitments like with uh, kids and things like that because that's a consideration yeah. you had at the time. Yeah. Definitely. And, but you've also got an accountant who's your, uh, your ex-husband as well. How's that? My, that's a my, good story, I thought. How yeah, that, how yeah, that that's, a, that, that's, a, that's a separate story altogether. <laughs> um, well, I, I was thinking of, as I say, about 15 years ago, thinking of going um, limited company um, and VAT registered. And I had certain clients who, I've got some big charity clients who like you to be VAT registered. Yeah. Um, they like the security of it. And also I found um, bigger businesses just it, Standard, they take you more yeah. seriously. Um, so I was thinking about doing that and I thought there's no way so I wanted to do it. So basically add 20% to your invoice, but they... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. There was no way I wanted to do it. Well, at the time there was flat rate VAT, but that's yeah. a whole other... Uh, I don't think that's a thing anymore. Um, but yeah, so I decided I needed an accountant. Went off and talked to a couple and I just thought I'm going to be a nightmare client because <laughs> I have so many questions. I need to know all the detail for everything. Yeah. And I kind of bombarded them with, with as many questions as I felt like I could. And then I was chatting to my ex-husband about it and he said, oh, well, I'll do you a decent rate if you come to me. And he said, oh, you know. Uh, and he's like, well, plus also I know what you're like. I know that you're going to have loads of questions. And uh, yeah, fair enough. Most of the time he uh, puts up with it fairly well. Well, after it's important to know the person, isn't it? And it's got, yeah. obviously, it shows you had a fairly kind of working relationship with your kids as well after you, you yeah. which, is, which is great. But it's interesting that, that register, because I remember I was told by 
someone who was an agent that's going to sign me at one point. I had to get VAT, VAT registered and I did it. And then I got a call from HMRC about six months later saying, you're supposed to fill out VAT returns every oh, quarter. And I hadn't, even, I hadn't even clocked it. I just oh, logged no. onto the thing. They were fine with it. They actually understood. The lady was quite sort of understanding. That must happen all the time. People, but that was, a, again, a wake-up call of, you know, I think I'd mentioned to my accountant, but he hadn't known, I hadn't known that it was a quarterly thing. So right. it's that kind of, uh, all that information is definitely, definitely worthwhile. Um, but I suppose as well, the idea is, in terms of making that decision, like anything in life, things can change. And I suppose if you make a decision to go freelance, you can always go back. Yes. Which is where people remember it. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. And how long you uh, you deal with, with the uncertainty. So what any any other tips or advice you'd give to people generally that you, you believe are important? Um, I think certainly one of the biggest things that people are just not prepared for, particularly if they have come from an employed job, is the isolation. Yeah. Um and I think there was kind of a perception that, oh, maybe, you know, women struggle with this more, but that, that it's just not the case. No. I've spoken to guys who are kind of real alpha male guys who are kind of like, oh, I tried working for myself and it just didn't work out. It's I just deal with the loneliness. Whether you're more of an extrovert or an introvert, uh, probably, uh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah well, I, I, think it, I think it affects both, but um, certainly I think it's really, really important to find other people, like-minded people, um, whether you do that through networking events co-working and yeah. coffee shop kind of working um, or going online and there are enough online communities for freelancers that we can all reach out share our questions share advice ask for help get the support that we need and um, realize that we're not alone just checking there's a demand out there I suppose before you jump isn't it as well that there is a pool yeah. of, of, of work in that area yeah that's a really good point so it's worth speaking to other freelancers in your field anybody who's fairly confident in what they do won't feel threatened mm. by someone else coming into the field i kind yeah. of fully believe in abundance i think there's enough work out there for everyone so that you will come across people who are a bit like oh competitor you know yes quite a closed off sort of you find that in any industry i think people are sort I, of very insecure so. about things like that yeah yeah, definitely. But, um, you know, anybody who has kind of been doing this for a while... You feel like yourself sometimes, think, actually, no, no, just pass on the contact details. I always feel like, I just think, you know, what yeah. we will be, and actually, people yeah. want, if people value your work, they'll choose you to work, or whatever, it's like... Deposits rather... in the karma bank as well. Yeah. I think, you know, if you can be good to someone else, it, I just think the whole pay it forward, Yeah. be a bit more kind to one another, I think it's all uh, all important stuff to remember. Yeah, no, I, to- I totally agree. I think the... Um process of being freelance is, is is very exciting and the book's out in june is it all it being, is all being yeah well. all being well should provided the virus doesn't kind of have any impact and i can't see why it would because it's all digital well, it um, might be a time when people who are in isolation want to want to read and things as well yeah it's potentially that time for a bit of uh, bit of kind of education isn't it i and hope so maybe it might be it, this might be a, a trigger for people to think about different lifestyles as well potentially yeah because we all need to be adaptable right now don't we more than yeah. ever yeah it's uh it's a very strange time well sarah townsend appreciate you you coming in thank you it's been a pleasure thank you very much and hope you like the podcast guys Uh, do look out for the book How to Survive as a Freelancer is the title Survival Skills for Freelancers Survival Skills for Freelancers (laughs) just rewritten that so that's probably another book out there so don't do that one Um, but if you like the podcast appreciate it as I say hope you're keeping well with everything around coronavirus as well and hope to get a couple of doctors on in due course do rate the podcast on iTunes if you enjoy it and uh, hope to speak to uh, my dad particularly at the end of the week who's a GP locally And again, thank you to Bang & Olufsen Cheltenham for their support of the podcast, Jason Briggs and his team at their Montpellier shop in Cheltenham. Thank you, guys.